G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. The South American country we'll talk about today is renowned to be the number one most miserable country on earth. And that statistic coming from a survey by Bloomberg.com. I'm talking about the nation of Venezuela. Now, protesters have been taking to the streets, protesting what they're saying is dictatorship under the current president, Nicolas Maduro. At least 39 people have died in the unrest since early April and hundreds have been hurt and arrested. President Maduro is seeking to create a new super body called a Constituent Assembly with authority to rewrite the Constitution and shake up public powers. The protesters who've been on the streets are calling for a referendum. So without getting into taking sides on the politics, let's get some insights into what's been going on in Venezuela because there's something much more significant as Christians uh, we will be wanting to hear some detail about. Our special guest through this coming hour has just returned from Venezuela, where for the past two weeks he's been conducting evangelistic crusades. Pastor Steve Ryder who's the founder of Reach Out for Christ. That's a Christian denomination. He's preached the gospel to 250,000 people over these past two weeks in the riot-fueled cities of Venezuela. And an amazing response, 120,000 decisions for Christ. Yes, you did hear it right, 120,000 decisions for Christ. A special welcome to 2020 to you, Pastor Steve Ryder. My pleasure to be here with you and share. Well, Steve, give us a little bit of insights into what's going on in Venezuela, because when you get that sort of response, Mm. sometimes that's a reaction to the hardships that people are under. What did you pick up while you were there in Venezuela? Well, really, it is an historical move, and that's their words of their pastors, because the pastors of the different denominations have really come together because of the hardships and united. And, you know, the Bible tells us, When God's people unite together, he pours out the blessing. And we have seen a blessing like it's unbelievable in the natural. You were there late last year and uh, there was no food on the shelves in in supermarkets. That's how serious it is. Well, that's how I got to go because I saw on the news uh, people, no food on the shelves, people in the streets demonstrating. And because we have uh, an interpreter that we employ uh, for, you know, interpreting in South America, I uh, rang him. Alfredo was his name. He lives in Colombia. And I'd been in Colombia, and that's how I first met him. And I said, uh, Pastor, is, is, do you know anybody in Venezuela? And he said, I know one pastor, a young pastor. I said, do you think we could go and have an evangelical meeting? <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but within six weeks, we actually had two cities, uh, Moron City and St. Philip. And in these two cities, we had a revival. We saw 10,000 get saved. They saw so many miracles. They were so excited. Now, I think what the difference was to what they normally see is when I go, after I preach, demonstrate miracles, we go to the crowd and minister to everybody who wants ministering and they fill the arena. And you can do that. 
I've always done that. And uh, so that really excited them. They said they've never seen anything like it. So they then arranged these meetings we've just finished. You know what's inspiring is the idea that there was a pastor. And I'm, Only sus- one. I'm suspecting that he's a praying man. Uh, because oftentimes we'll hear of the seeds of revival that start yeah. with someone who's on their knees before God and crying out for breakthrough. And before he knows it, uh, doors are opening and beyond his wildest dreams, yes. things begin to happen in a mm. serious way. And so, mm. and, and of course, what has happened over this past two weeks, and I'll get some more insight from you on those numbers and, and on those gatherings, but uh, but as you say, starting from a single pastor who undoubtedly is a praying man of God, and God begins to open doors, and revival begins to break yeah. out. Uh, do you do you call this revival? I mean, I don't even know what the uh, the overall population is in Venezuela, but uh, those sorts of figures make you think from, there's must from be revival. From what I knew, no, there's about 34 million people. Okay. Okay. Uh, absolutely revival. They have. Well, the first city was not Caracas. We went to. Uh, they said they'd probably get 10,000 to 15,000 people out. Well, you've got a little picture there. Yeah. and we, We've mm. got all this on film, by the way. There's eighty-five to 90,000 in the crowd straight away. They've never seen anything like it. Now, is this in a stadium? Is this in a no. public area? No, Where is this? they don't have stadiums that big. They went to the street like a, a, an avenue. They built a big stage. The police blocked it off. It was about a mile or a kilometre in our terms. And uh, <clears throat> three quarters of a kilometre was jam-packed with people behind the television stage and everything they'd set up. And uh, it was just jammed. So what is it, do you think, that's going through the hearts and minds of people in a divided nation yep. uh, where there is concern about uh, all sorts of issues uh, mm-hmm. politically, Uh, where there is a lack of food. Uh, There's not uh, food on the supermarket shelves like we understand. Families are doing it really tough. People are starving to death. death. Uh, What's going through the hearts and minds of people when they hear evangelist coming to town? I think we better go out and see what he's got to say. Well, for the first time, uh, I was in a revival in Eastern Europe when the Berlin Wall went down. That was the first evangelist to go in. And we saw great things there, but it was a different situation. This one... Absolute poverty, no food, no jobs. The nation is bankrupt, basically. But where God opened the door was to the media. I did two days just speaking on the media when I went. Television, every radio, all connected through the nation. And I spoke on one television, their main uh, G television, they call it there, is the number one station. No Christians ever spoke on it. I spoke on it. They gave me extra time. And uh, see, all that, and, and we paid for uh, advertisements on TV and radio before we went. So the country's been blitzed by it, and it all through those first two meetings last November. And uh, of course, I'm back again, twice again this year, because in a revival, you've got to keep it going. Uh, and I believe that. Yes, and look, you go to a lot of countries, and we might uh, discuss uh, discuss some of that uh, shortly. Seventy three, uh, seventy three countries. All right, so you're you're on the road an awful lot, Steve. Yeah. 
Uh, but when you decided to go to Venezuela, yes. uh, well, some people would say, how did you pick uh, Venezuela? Did you look at the map and say, I think I'll go to the most miserable country on earth? Or uh, Because, you know, sometimes evangelists are renowned to be going to some wealthy countries because, yeah. you know, people will give a big offering or whatever it might be. But you've chosen to go to somewhere which is stricken by poverty. Yeah, exactly. uh, what was what was it was moving in your heart to say, I'm going to go to Venezuela? Okay, I'll make this very clear. Many years ago, I was in Calcutta, first nation I ever went to in India. They used to call it the black hole of Calcutta. And uh, I was sharing with uh, our friend as we drove up here today. I went all night. A miracle took place and the Indians just flocked and I couldn't get away. The only way I got order was to ask, I'll stop, I'll pray for everybody till it's over. Well, I didn't leave till five o'clock in the morning. Now, I traveled from Melbourne, Sydney, uh, Madras, you know, it's a long time. I was jet lagged. I wasn't used to that. My body ached. And I remember being taken back to this little mission house and the spirit of God spoke to me. Do you know what he said? I, I can't say this too much in America. He said, I don't want five-star evangelists. I was shocked. He said, Jesus was a people's people. He went to the people and that's, I've always gone to the people. I'll stay as long as they allow you to stay and minister. And that's why we had a major revival in Eastern Europe. Because of that. And so for some evangelists, mm. and now this is an interesting thing because I'll get your uh, thoughts and your mm. heartbeat on this because mm. uh, there are some evangelists who will preach a message and it's a wonderful, yeah. sound proclamation of yes. the gospel. People will come forward and yes. they'll respond to that proclamation. They'll make a decision for Christ. And praise God. For and that. there'll be follow-up and there'll be people supporting that decision. Now, as a Pentecostal evangelist, there's another dimension that you will bring to your evangelistic event. And you yes. mentioned miracles. Yes. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about miracles and okay. what happens after this proclamation of the gospel. People have come forward yes. and they've made a decision for Christ. Yes. Uh, is this a point where you begin to pray for people? And yeah. uh, what, how does that breakthrough happen? What does it look like? Okay. Well, it's very exciting when you've got a big crowd, obviously, and there's lots of problems and needs. But I would always demonstrate miracles first. I believe God, one of the gifts, is a word of knowledge. God will reveal something to you. And once they see a miracle, it just opens up. Reinhard Bonnke was my classical evangelist. I've worked with him in Tanzania once in a crusade together. He did the same thing. And he, he to me, was a genuine guy. All right? And uh, that's what I do. Now, in the last meeting I had, I pulled seven people up, a deaf and dumb woman, uh, a cripple. Every one of them got a miracle straight away before you've done anything. Can you imagine? I would say things like, let's see if God's here. Now, that's what's developed in my life over the years. You've got to believe what you do. I believe. God anointed me to do it many years ago when I first started. So when you're in Venezuela over this past fortnight yep. and uh, you've got, uh, you know, in the one that we were talking mm. about, there's uh, 80 or 90,000 people in the crowd. Yes. Uh, you've called some people up onto the stage. Yes. Uh, I'm imagining that some people in the back row are probably thinking, I can't get any closer. I can't hear what's being said. And there must be some frustrations in that. But the people who are within earshot, uh, they yeah. can hear you over the PA. Very clear. Uh, you've called people up. What sort of miracles happened? You mentioned there was uh, one that well, really broke things open in Caracas. What, what they did, uh, they had a team of doctors every night. Qualified. They're in their white gowns, everything with, X-rays of different ones where they could. And one really exciting, it's almost 
unbelievable. There's a gentleman who was shot in the back by robbers twice. A lot of, I even saw children had been shot. It's terrible. They, they tried to take their money. If they refused, they shoot them in the back. Mm. And it's quite prevalent there. And this man uh, had his spine shattered in two places, broken. And the doctor said, look, you can't do anything for him. It's impossible. It is impossible. And I, you don't argue. I just prayed, laid hands on him. He got out of the wheelchair and walked. Can you imagine those doctors? This is the thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, when... These are unbelievable things that, you know. Mm. Mm. And when doctors are able to be yeah. there and mm. have a diagnosis even beforehand mm. and to be able to then yeah. sign off on one, yeah. uh, it says, wow, that is a miracle. Those mm. things are very significant. And, of course, we, we don't... Saw, we saw some of these doctors cry when they saw what was happening. Wow. wow. But we've got to understand, this was a special... T- I think this was a time in God for that country. And l- imagine how the other countries around them are going to think. Of all the places, the blackest place, like you said, Venezuela, God's having a revival where there's a revolution taking place. Imagine that witness. I've already been invited to Cuba and many other nations now. And those invitations come when the reputation yeah. of what has happened in yes. a, a nation like Venezuela, have, exactly. this is how doors yeah. open for you, yes. uh, the reputation goes before mm. and uh, people invite you in. Mm. Uh, when you go into a new country, uh, the same sorts of things begin to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, why is it you think uh, these things are following you, Steve? I mean, uh, you know, we can <laughs> say that, uh, you know, is this a special anointing, a special calling by God? Is it a special gift that's on Steve Ryder? Uh, because uh, you'll stand up and you'll preach mm. and miracles will happen. Some mm. others won't mm. necessarily have those miracles yeah. follow. Uh, how do you reflect on what God does in your own life and the gift that he's given to you? Well, it really goes back 40 years. And uh, <clears throat> I was very strong at preaching salvation. You must be born again. And because I'd been filled with the Spirit in a special place without any knowledge, uh, I, I was very keen and I preached strong. When you've received something from God, you become stronger. And I used to do a lot of school ministry, Catholic schools as well as ordinary state schools. And uh, what took place was I, it was becoming sort of the end of that little run for me because people had found out I'd become charismatic, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was doing my last uh, campaign down in Melbourne where there was about 15 different groups, evangelical, come together. And one of the guys said, can we ask you some questions? Now, I, I, I pretty well knew what he was going to talk about. Do you speak in tongues and all this stuff, you know? And I said, okay. But on one condition, if you come along, bring your Bibles. Don't bring your doctrine. Just bring your Bible and ask me questions from the Bible. Okay. So, well, within 10 minutes, I had nothing to say. And I went in a, another room because one young man said, would God do that for me? You see, he was asking about being filled with the Spirit. And I said, yes, he would. And uh, he wanted to kneel down. I did my best to prepare him. And I was praying, God, give him an experience like you gave me. And I'm telling you, this is my experience. In the spirit, I was looking up, and you know the light penetrates your eyes, and the room seemed to be getting brighter. So what I did was I opened my eyes, and I saw Jesus in the spirit. I pointed at him, touched him. I touched him, he fell over. I didn't know anything about that. That was in Melbourne years ago. I think Catherine Coleman was the only one we heard about doing that kind of thing. 
uh, that started a revival with me in Melbourne. I was only young, young in ministry. And uh, just before that, I'd been in a little church, Pentecostal church, and the guy had asked me to preach, not share a testimony. And so I did my best and I finished. He said, that was great. Pray for the people. Well, the first person I went to pray for had had a mental breakdown and he was crying. He didn't understand a thing I'd been saying. Now, you can't give what you haven't got. So I go to the next person, same thing. The third person, first time I preach in a church properly, was on a weekend pass from a mental hospital. After I got off that line, I thought, wow, I felt bad. And I read the scriptures, and Paul says, ask for spiritual gifts. I, I didn't know you couldn't ask for a lot. I asked for gifts of healing, the gift of faith, working miracles, and everything, and the word of knowledge. And that's when this started, where I went to with these kids, you know, where they got filled with the Spirit. All of them got filled with the Spirit. The last one that went in, went out, there's about 15 leaders, and apparently his brother was there, and they were crying. I said, what's the problem? He said, my brother was born with a speech impediment. He's got filled with the Spirit, and he's totally healed. We weren't asking for that. And that weekend, I got a call to go to a man in the hospital in Melbourne. He was a cancer patient, and he was dying. He had lung cancer, probably cigarette results in those days. And uh, when they opened him up, they had to cut right around the rib cage. His cancer was so bad, they just clamped him. And they told his wife, originally, 12 days to live, get everything in order. Now, it was about three or four days in. This man's name was David, and I went to the hospital. Now, I'd never gone to a dying person before. And he had lost his weight, very sick. And uh, I, I did my best to make sure he was saved. And he, he got saved. And as I was walking out, it was like God gave me a word, go back to him and tell him that by the stripes of Jesus, he's healed. When Jesus went on the cross, he bore our sickness away. And so I went back, told him, and I said, David, you need to say it. Like for salvation, we confess Christ. You need to confess what he's done for you on the cross too. So... Uh, he, he did that. Now, a few days later, I thought, I'll ring his wife. She'd give me his number, uh, her number, right, sorry. And uh, she said, it's strange. He's slightly improved. One month later, he was out of there. His scar disappeared off his body. He worked for the government, had to have a full medical to get his job back, and that's the gospel truth. And then that's how it really started. It, it, see, when you s witness something like that, it does something to you. Did I get miracles every day? No. You grow in faith, and that's what's happened over the years. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Our special guest this hour, Pastor Steve Ryder, evangelist and founder of Reach Out for Christ. He's just back from Venezuela in the far north of South America. If you're wondering about the geography, uh, Venezuela at the far north of South America, bordered by Colombia, Brazil, and Guyana. Caracas is the capital. And uh, Steve Ryder, back from uh, the uh, outreach that's been going on there for the last two weeks, preached to 250,000 people in Venezuela and 120,000 decisions. Uh, those sorts of things are revival proportions, Steve Ryder. But this is not the first revival that you've been part of. And uh, some people might have different ideas of defining what revival is, but uh, but you've been in a number of revivals. This is not the first one you've seen. Uh, tell us about a couple of the others. The first one was when the Berlin Wall went down, Eastern Europe. And uh, I had a friend uh, who was from Czech, Czech Republic. 
And uh, he rang me and said, Steve, if you'd come here now, it'll be hot. The people are wanting to hear what they've never been able to do. And so I went straight in. Six weeks, went in. Uh, was met by a, a, a press contingent in Prague. And uh, one lady was sort of leading it for everybody because she spoke good English. And she said, well, if you do miracles, we have our man down in the van who has got a, a very bad back. He can walk, but he's, he's got a bad back. He's in trouble. Would God heal him? I said, yes, God would, if he's prepared. And he came up and he got healed. Well, that started a media thing where we were on television every day. In fact, for the first six months, you know, in the picture theaters where they show a, a rerun in the old days of news, well, we were on for six months. The, the meeting started in Prague, and uh, this is how it went, where I was in this uh, very cheap boarding type of place with this ministry, and uh, they'd rented this big auditorium, uh, like a big, massive ice hockey stadium. They, they could get 20,000 people in on the thing as well as the side. And the meetings were to start at about 5.30. And uh, he got a call from the uh, caretaker of the uh, place about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, we're not a hospital. There's people on stretchers outside and all this, you know. And I thought, he's exaggerating. There might be two or three people got their early look. We were just to save trouble, we'll go down, I'll minister to them, and he'll be happy. Well, as we were driving along, we're seeing all these people going in the same direction we're going in. And I said, is there a football match on here or something? He said, I don't know. They were going to the place we're going to because the media had stirred it up, you see. And uh, people were actually using fence cutters to break into the perimeter to get into the place. So when I got there, I got out on a loudspeaker and I said, look, if you'll be patient, I'll pray for the 20,000 inside, minister to them, then you can come in. For four days, I never slept. Now, people said to me, that's impossible. Well, if God's anointing is on you, you can do anything. I collapsed after it, but I never faltered. I had a 10-minute break to let people in and out for four days. 60,000 a day, most of them are raising their hands for Christ. That started a revival. That's when I saw multiple miracles like I'd never seen before because this was a genuine revival. Uh, we, we set many churches up, Bible school there after all this. And, uh, you know, most of them were students. Today they're pastors. And and the other one was in Burma. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I went to Burma. Now, you couldn't use the terms Christianity, but it was a, Christian, uh, a Christmas festival. That's what they called it. And they used churches like uh, Baptist churches or Church of England churches, you know, in the old days of the Commonwealth things. And uh, I've, I've been ministering, and God started doing miracles. There was a lot of Buddhist monks where the breast tumors, and they disappeared, you know, ladies. And uh, a doctor came and he said, look, there's some people in the Yangon Hospital. You're not supposed to go in there. Visitors are not supposed to go in there from foreigners, rather. And he said, would you come in and pray? There's a lady there. She's been a beautiful Christian, and she's in the dying stages now. And I said, okay. So he took me in. Now, it was pitiful to see. It's not like we have palliative care. I mean, there's, they were just mopping their brow. It's like down in the dungeons of the hospital. And uh, this lady was surely in the death throes. She was gasping for breath, and he said to me, she won't last more than an hour. And uh, when, when I ministered to her, other people, there's about 20 people in this basement area, and all of them but one were shouting out in their language to the doctor, come to us, come to us. They're desperate. And uh, 
I went around, started just ministering to him. I didn't see anything in the immediate time space I was there. That night when I'm preaching this thing and the place was packed with people in this church, uh, I saw the doctor walk in and he's talking to the pastor. Then the pastor waved asked me to stop for a minute. And he gave a testimony. And he said, that lady, when I left, recovered. Ten months later, she'd had a child. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's how much she recovered. And he said others recovered in that palliative care situation, what we would call it. Now, one year later, I went back. I was met at the airport by uh, military police. And they took me to like a country club. And there was most of that joint to that government at that time, right, there. And the minister for religion, as they call it, Buddhist guy, and they allowed me to preach. So I preached at them. Three got saved and one got a miracle. And next minute they said, you can have an open-air meeting. And uh, uh, 10,000 people got out without advertising. They stopped it at that because all the military are there. They got framed. But the, a Buddhist monk who was uh, had a stroke, got totally healed. And I have film where I raised my hand and hundreds of people just falling all over. Mm. It's amazing. Yep. They're power of God. Steve, when we talk about revival in general, and I want to get back to what's been going on in Venezuela, but we talk about revival in general, and you'd probably be a student of revivals as they've happened through history. Mm -hmm. Are they always accompanied by signs and wonders and miracles when there is the preaching of the gospel in revivals? They usually are, and I believe it's very simple. We need to go back to basics. What was the church founded on? Miracles. Pentecost. I mean, within a week, there's about 8,000 people. And these were Jews, remember, got saved. And it multiplied. The apostle, Jesus said, you go out, bring the sick people out, heal them, then they'll know the kingdom of God's there. But we've divided off in doctrines all over the place. The real doctrine is the Bible. I try to teach my people. Let's get back to the basics. Pastor Steve Ryder, who's the founder of Reach Out for Christ, is our guest. He preached the gospel to 250,000 people over this past fortnight in the riot-fueled cities of Venezuela. An amazing response, 120,000 decisions for Christ. We'll talk some more about Venezuela in just a few moments, but just to mention Steve Ryder, as our guest today on 2020, there is a outreach that's coming up. Uh, it's happening, uh, in fact, just uh, just uh, let me see uh, the date coming up on the 26th of May, so just a couple of weeks away, in Tenterfield in New South Wales. Uh, and there'll be listeners to our conversation in all of those towns surrounding Tenterfield and Tenterfield too. Uh, but you're in Australia for a little while. You've got a vision to actually get some tent ministry going, going into country towns. Uh, how excited are you about this opportunity of uh, connecting with Tenterfield? Okay, well, Tenterfield obviously was the first one that came up. Uh, but I've always believed if Australia is going to move and have a genuine revival, and prophets of old have said it would, and I believe that uh, because God's encouraged me in my spirit, but we've got to touch the country. Country areas, they, they don't get all the ministries and uh, they miss out on a lot of things. So part of, I believe, what I can help where I'm allowed to is go in there. I don't ask for offerings. We just go and do it. And uh, I believe we can help a lot. 
And interestingly, the pastor who is at the centre of saying, hey, Steve Ryder, come Mm. out and do a crusade in our town, uh, is the pastor of the Presbyterian Church uh, in Tenterfield. And Mm -hmm. uh, what a marvellous connection that is, Mm. because uh, you would say you're a Mm. charismatic leader, a Pentecostal Mm. uh, Mm. leader, but then this connection that comes to a Presbyterian church in Mm. a country town, Mm. connecting the city to the country, this is quite significant. It is. I've always been open and very neutral. See, I, I was born without any religious experience. I was converted at Billy Graham Crusade when I was 24 in uh, a crisis in my life, and God really touched my life. And uh, I thought the Baptists were everything, you know, the evangelicals. <laughs> but I found out there's a lot of different persuasions. But I'm open, open to God, and I believe the gospel's for everybody, you know. And I've preached in Catholic schools. I've actually preached in their churches, Anglican. Presbyterian, all types. I feel, you know, Jesus is open to everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, for those who are in the area, in northern New South Wales, southern Queensland, and you might like to be a part of this outreach, it's coming up Friday, the 26th of May, and I'd encourage listeners, if you want to be a part of uh, what will be quite a significant event uh, for Tenterfield, uh, simply Google the Presbyterian Church in Tenterfield. And no doubt, uh, Steve Ryder, you'll probably have something on your website too, uh, which might be uh, mm-hmm. talking about the, the outreach that's coming up. I mean, there's some of these other things like Venezuela that may yeah. be uh, bigger stories to talk yeah. about. Uh, but, there's, you know, the small fry, perhaps, uh, what's they're happening in Tenterfield. They're, they're important too. And mm. you'll have some notes on your website. And I'll give that mm. website too. It's R-O-F-C. That stands for Reach Out for Christ. R-O-F-C. Dot com dot au. Uh, this connection between city and country, uh, the idea of reviving the, the tent ministry. Mm. Uh, now, you're about to get a hold of a, a tent. It's going to be one of those big blow-up tents. That's right. Uh, how do you think it's going to look? Describe it, what, what you think it's going to look like. Well, I think it'll look marvellous because the modern tents, you see them on race courses, they use those type of things. And, and in events, uh, musical events and things like that, they are air conditioned, they're everything. And uh, it's much easier. You can get the people in. You can get a few thousand people in if you get a big one. All right, so uh, so you're going to get a, <coughs> as big a one as you can get a hold About of. About 2,000. Uh, so you can fit, fit 2,000 2, people in. Yeah. Now, uh, if you get 2,000 people to an outreach in Tenterfield, uh, you would be drawing on people from all around. Yeah. Uh, I imagine you'd mm. be saying, hey, come mm. from far and wide. Yes, that, w- that would be right. But I believe if Australia is going to really come back to God, and this world is deteriorating, let's be honest. I've traveled the world, and it's very disappointing what you see. We are still a lucky country here, but how long is that going to last? Uh, economically, everything, we don't know what the future is. But I've read the Bible, and the Bible tells me as we get close to the time when church history is finished for us, the period will be over, Jesus will come back, uh, things are going to get worse. And that's what we're seeing in the world. Now, if we talk about <coughs> Tenterfields, uh, yes. you've got uh, Tenterfield with, and I'm just speculating here, uh, supermarkets that have food on the shelves. Uh, if, because we've been talking about Venezuela, yeah, where, where there's right. been no food on the mm. shelves. Uh, people right. coming out in droves because they're at their wit's end. Yeah. Uh, they are desperate people. Well, uh, people mm. in Tenterfield might not be quite so desperate. No, they're probably well off. I don't know. <laughs> so, so you're going to be doing the tent crusade in Tenterfield. I imagine the no, we're using a public hall on this one. First. Oh, a public hall at, at Tenterfield. At first, okay, yes. uh, but the idea, I imagine, uh, to encourage people to get a little bit 
deeper than mm. what's happening on the surface. Yes, you've got your needs met. Yes, you've got a, a mm. job. Yes, mm. uh, things might look good for you now. Mm. But the same message of the gospel, this same proclamation, this same salvation is necessary for people uh, in tenderfields yes. uh, where we might actually, in comparison to with what's going on in Venezuela, people in tenderfield are rich. Mm. They don't, need, they don't yes. feel as though they need to hear this message of salvation. But mm. you'd be saying go a little bit deeper than, uh, than what you immediately feel because yeah. this message of the salvation of Jesus yeah. Christ is, is for everyone, whether we are feeling rich or poor. It's eternity. That's what it is. And <clears throat> there's one thing. I've done a lot of funerals in my life too. Yeah. And I always say to the people, you see this? That you're into. What then? And I believe because of Jesus Christ, he was resurrected from the dead. We'll be resurrected at the right time and we go to heaven. So there's two choices. You can take your pick, A or B. I'd rather go to A, which is heaven itself. And everybody needs it, whether you're wealthy or poor. That's right. And I don't want to characterize mm-hmm. Tenderfield no. as being a town where they've got everything together. No. Because I know from the conversations that I have on this program that people in country Australia are doing doing things very tough. Yes. Uh, Not only is it tough on the land, but Mm. the issues that are going on with relationship breakdowns, with the ice epidemic Mm. and drugs in general, uh, that young people in particular are Mm. feeling particularly uh, uh, hard done by uh, yeah. insofar as things mm. are not going well for them. Mm. So so when you turn up into a town like Tenterfield, and this is mm. going to be the start of a whole lot of places, and I'm sure that people mm. will be able to contact you and say, hey, mm. come to our town, Steve mm. Ryder. But this is, uh, you know, in Australian communities, things are not altogether perfect, are they? No, they're not. And uh, you see, I started my ministry mostly, you know, in the learning stages, going through the country areas of Victoria. And it was great response. Country people are strong and good-hearted. Uh, they're not like city people, generally speaking. Yep. They, they, uh, I don't think they just jump into things and, you know, they're very conservative in many ways. But regardless of that, people still get sick. Things happen. They have needs. And that's why I believe God put it on my heart uh, before Tenterfield that in this near future, this coming year, we'll start to prepare to go to country towns. Now, Tenterfield, the 26th of May, that's a Friday, and you're going to be in their town hall. Yes. Uh, you've got some plans. Uh, Lismore is, uh, the, next is, is the, the next one on the list. Uh, can you can you think of any? I know you don't have notes in front of you, but uh, do you know of any of the other towns that you might be uh, considering? Well, we'd go down off the coast, down the east coast, over the border, New South Wales. That's where the interest seems to be starting with. Uh, but I also would go north, right, north of Queensland too. Uh, I've been asked to go to the uh, Aborigines in Harnham Land and those places. I've spoken to two of their elders, you know, the leaders, and uh, Tennant Creek area, places like that. And now the wet season started, I've got to do one of the first ones in the next few weeks, which will be Tennant Creek. Okay, and uh, for listeners in Tennant Creek, we're on the air in Tennant Creek. Look out for Steve Ryder. Uh, For listeners in Arnhem Land, we're on the air in Arnhem Land. Look out for Steve Ryder when he's in town. Mm. 
When you come to a reach out, uh, outreach, mm. it's interesting with your church name, Reach Out for Christ, but uh, an outreach into uh, Australian towns, yes. you'll be coming with stories of what's gone on in Venezuela this past couple of weeks. They'll be yes. fresh in your mind. You'll yes. be sharing those things. Yeah. When you're sharing the gospel, how much of what's going on around the world is important in giving a context for bringing this message of salvation to people in a crusade event? Well, number number one, just in Venezuela now, we have got hours of film showing the massive crowds, God moving, little children walking for the first time, things like mighty miracles, deaf and dumb. And, and you can't, I mean, people say, is that real, not real? But you can see people in wheelchairs crippled out, lifting their wheelchairs up, lifting crutches everywhere. We have film. So if I go to a town... Before the meetings, we'll show the film on the local media. We'll pay for it to go on. And that's what the media always has an effect on people. And when you do show these things on the local media, yep. you're talking about the mainstream media, the local yep. television yep. station where yes. everyone's tuning in to watch the news. Uh, these things are going to be on their local media. Yep. And it does have an effect. People turn up yes, because they see it. Yes. And we pay for that. Now, when we go somewhere, I don't ask for money. We don't take offerings. God has blessed us on the Gold Coast. Our church are good people. They, they've uh, grown with that spirit to evangelize the world. And now it's coming time for Australia too. I believe that. And I'm not the only one who would believe that. Churches are beginning to stir up a little bit and realize we need to become stronger in this country. Let's come back to Venezuela. We might okay. mention Tenderfield one more time before we have to say goodbye. But Venezuela... Uh, things really tough, uh, as you say, uh, real stress on the streets, the dictatorship of the president. And, and I imagine you're not taking sides because, in fact, you've got favor from the government mm. in Venezuela. In fact, you've been given a freedom of the city in the yeah. capital of Caracas. Mm. How did that happen? This must have only happened in the last two weeks. Yeah, I, I went to a meeting and this was a meeting uh Everybody who was wearing red hats, that tells you something. Right. Yep. And uh, so I went in there and I started speaking to them, sharing about the gospel, what God can do. Uh, not getting political, okay. Half the crowd got saved in there. I asked them, then they came and started getting miracles. And then a lady came on and she gave me this documentation. Well, it's all in Spanish, about four pages. And they said, this has only been given four times. You're the fourth one in the last 40 years. People like Nelson Mandela would be the type that gets it. Now, I believe because of the crowds were coming out and all the advertising on television, the government in their own way probably thought, well, this is not doing harm because the population in South America is mostly Catholic, as you know. There's been a lot of conversions, but uh, all that aside, I think they thought this can help us. We had bigger crowds out than they had in the demonstrations. Uh, and that's very significant. Yeah. Uh, look, some people will say, isn't it wonderful hearing about 120,000 decisions for Christ? Mm. But what about the poverty? How do you alleviate some of the challenges and the comfort that people are, mm. are not experiencing at the moment? Because uh, that whole uh, that whole saying that goes, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, uh, they'll, they're they more interested in whether you appreciate them, care about them uh, than just the message that you might bring. How do you go about then actually bringing some sort of follow-up and yeah. caring for the people even in practical ways? Okay, well, uh, our first trip there, 
to a city of uh, Saint Philippe. Uh, two cities we went to, and about ten thousand got saved. But one day they said, "Would you like to go and have a look what it's like for the people?" And they went amongst these rubbish tips, where people were living, you know, bits of corrugated tin, couple of sticks, children starving, no food. Now there was a school there, right? And yes, the government would pay for the teachers to be there, but finances are getting very tough in that country. Obviously, it's basically bankrupt. And uh, they showed us a school, and uh, we went there and saw the teachers and some uh, an Asian ministry had been there uh, before and fed the children. And they told us how wonderful that was. And we were told quite clearly that many of these kids are very sick; they're starving. There's no money, no finance. Nobody has jobs. And uh, he said, we can't even finish the primary school off, you know, to about 11 years of age to teach some basic uh, language and things. And I said, well, what does it cost to build your rooms? I saw they hadn't finished. And he said, well, $5,000 would build the buildings. $5,000. Well, I sent him the money straight away. We have an associate church in America, so they, I got the money down. They finished it. You've got pictures there. And we fed those children. We fed over 3,000 children so far. Now, for example, $200 will feed that school community for a whole month. That's how cheap it is in comparison. So it's not like we've spent millions of dollars to do this, but our church has been... When I went over, they gave me extra 4,000 US dollars. It was about 6,000 now money to do those things. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, we've been talking about some very exciting progress of what we are calling revival in Venezuela. Venezuela, of course, in South America, and our special guest this hour, Pastor Steve Ryder, evangelist and founder of Reach Out for Christ, just back from Venezuela where he preached the gospel, a proclamation of the gospel to 250,000 people over these past two weeks. 120,000 people have responded to Christ and they have connected with Christ afresh. And uh, let me just ask you, Steve, as we talk about Venezuela, uh, there's uh, film footage of a lot of the things that went on. Yes, uh, Some people will be saying, how can I get to see that? You've got a bit of a production team getting yep. some things together to get yep. up onto your website. Right. Uh, what sort of things do you think people will be able to see if they see a, a clip of what's going on? Well, they'll see the multitudes they'll see, because we had one of those... Uh, a drone up drone, here. Yeah, yep. that was filming crowds. But they'll see miracles. They'll see doctors... Saying yes. Yeah. And they'll see people streaming forward uh, to oh. receive Christ yeah. as Savior. Mm. And a yeah. uh, significant thing. The churches you mentioned are working together. So, uh, yes. so when some people are concerned about follow up of new converts, it's always difficult with those sorts of numbers, but the churches are working well, I'll, together. I'll give you an example. The first time we went there, the first city we went to last October into November, we paid for buses. Do you know what it cost us for buses? $10 a bus. Okay, And so they brought people from everywhere. Now, when people got on the bus in their districts, they put their name and address down. When they came back to that bus, they had to come back to the same buses. And we had 150 buses, right, on a small scale compared to what's just happened. If they were born again, they ticked it off so they could be followed up. Mm. I thought that was a brilliant way of checking them out. 
That is a, a good yeah. way because, yeah. uh, you know, that, some people will say, well, how can you be sure about the numbers? Mm. I'm sure that the numbers, uh, when we talk about 120,000, yeah. is an estimate, but it's not it, a... No, it's not. It's, you can't go one by one, but that was a conservative estimate. It probably was more like 150, 160,000 because wow. it seems like everybody responds. Yeah, yep. That's right. Yep. 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 So we kept, even the crowds, we kept conservative. Okay, uh, wonderful news, wonderful stories out of Venezuela, and you'll be heading back there July, in the, end in of July, July. Uh, following through because mm. uh, the revival will continue, yeah. and uh, you want to make sure that uh, yeah. you're continuing that process as the nation comes under the under the uh, influence of this revival. I'll be back there in November too. And okay. then in, and in next year, one million people at the airport, they said. Right. Exciting numbers mm. and uh, times to be contemplating. Mm. Uh, don't want to miss the opportunity to say that you're going to be speaking in Tenterfield in New South Wales, the Presbyterian Church in Tenterfield. And Jim Seymour, Pastor Jim Seymour, is uh, is organising that. Uh, the outreach event is coming up on Friday, the 26th of May. And uh, it'll be at the Memorial Hall yeah. in Tenterfield. And I know you'll be expecting there's going to be a, a great turnout for that revival and the start of what will be a tent tour, uh, yeah, a big blow-up tent, yeah. holds mm. a couple of thousand people, mm. and you're open to invitations, no doubt, for country yeah. towns that yeah. might like to have you there. Uh, I'm sure that you'll want to see churches gather mm. together mm. and work together for that. And uh, and I know you'll be wanting to get some processes happening and fill yeah. in the dates that you've yeah. got free in your diary. Yeah. Uh, let me point people to the website, rofc.com.au. That's Reach Out for Christ, uh, rofc.com.au. You can also Google the Presbyterian Church in Tenterfield for some details of the Tenterfield dates. Pastor Steve Ryder, thanks so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today here on 2020. My pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.